Hello and welcome again to the Silicon Sasquatch podcast. This is episode 30 of the podcast, now that we are counting them differently. Correctly. <laughs> Correctly. Nobody needs seasons. Like normal people. Yeah. Yeah. Like iTunes and listeners. <laughs> uh, I'm Spencer Tordoff. Joining me, we have Britt McGinnis. Hey. And Nick Cummings. Howdy, hey. And we are talking about a very broad topic this <laughs> evening. Which is different for us. Well, I suppose so. <laughs> yes. But we are discussing time investment in games. Uh, and that means a lot of different things. Basically, we're all getting older. Brit's in her early 20s. Nick and I are both in our late 20s. And we don't find ourselves with the time to play games that we used to have. And that means a lot of different things. It can mean things in single-player games. It can mean them in multiplayer games. It's just something to get used to. Brit, you were the one who actually uh, came up with the idea for this topic. What is the first thing that comes to mind when you begin to think about games and the amount of time they take? Well, I actually flash back to... I, I used to attend slumber parties a lot in my very small cabin-themed town in Oregon. And a, one of the biggest features of the slumber parties was we would have a monitor and a PC running The Sims. And from time to time, people would just pop by and, you know, develop a sim. I was one of the people that would stay on The Sims kind of all night. Just, you know, kind of a roulette version of playing The Sims. And that was a feature of that party. And I thought about that recently and that was really fun there's no way i could ever invest in the sims now like i did then like just not just because of in terms of work but in terms of hobbies in terms of long-term projects in terms of events and appointments and you know having a relationship or calling your grandpa just there's there's so many demands on my time that not only could I not invest the same amount of time in a game like The Sims as I used to, but I honestly don't have as much desire to because it's such a gradual payout. And The Sims is a great game. I love games that require that much time and energy and detail to produce something cool and that require that kind of dedication, but I just, I would rather play something shorter and feel like my time was better invested now. And honestly, it kind of horrified me. So I wanted to bring it up to you guys, too, and see how you felt. <laughs> it's funny, because when you mentioned the sleepovers, I our game wasn't The Sims. It was Heroes of Might and Magic 2. Oh, wow. Um, which, you know, what's up, MS-DOS? But basically, that's <laughs> the game had a hot seat mode. You're showing your age, man. Oh, I know. I remember boot discs for games. It just, oh, man. It's amazing the difference a few years in your 20s makes. Anyway, point being, <laughs> Heroes had this awesome hot seat mode where you would take your turn, move your dudes, build up your base, set up your next ambush, and then pass the computer over to the next person. And you just, you know, take your turn, go off and do something else, etc. pretty much all night. And these games would often take four to six or seven hours. So that's fun. It was a lot of fun. It's like, it's like civilization in that regard, except you get to kill your friends like <laughs> really intricately. <laughs> so uh, that sounds great for children. I know, but uh, no, 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 that, that sounds that sounds right. I mean, in my college town, a lot of people would get together and play Dungeons and Dragons every week. So it sounds like the same principle. Yeah, less character generation, more tactically shooting your friends with arrows. But mm -hmm. yeah, but the same kind of investment in time. Yeah, it was a full evening type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think about how fun those nights were, and 
I'm trying to look for a parallel in my life right now. And I just don't have anything like that where I would spend an entire evening on one game with friends. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I play a lot of board games now, which I think a lot of people get into as they get older. And uh, outside of something like Diplomacy, I, which I've never played out of fear of losing an entire weekend. Oh, it's fun. I Do it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun, but you kind of need to be older to play it in detail. Yeah, so I, it's kind of funny because like, as, as much as I miss those really deep, rich experiences, I don't really know that there's a place for them anymore for me. I don't know. So did you say you've lost the desire to play those or that you want to, but you can't? I mean, it's similar to how I feel about the old RPGs I grew up with. And I, I wrote a little bit about this last week, but I, like, I, I downloaded Chrono Cross and Final Fantasy IX for my Vita when I picked that up last year. And two of my favorite games, you know, exceptionally well-reviewed when they came out, you know, 12, 13 years ago. And I've sunk maybe two hours into each before I just reached this point of saying, I'm not going to do everything I did in this game before. I'm not going to play the 60 hours to finish it. So, you know, with that in mind, it's like you can, it's like I say, you can never go back. It's almost like a Pink Floyd song. Hmm. Um, that was the talking, that was the talking head, sir. Yeah. Once in a lifetime. You may find yourself holding a white PS Vita. And wondering what, how the hell to hold it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. You're supposed to touch the back? I don't really get that. I, I don't know. I own one and I don't get it. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what a PS Vita is. Is it a kind of <laughs> phone? It's, uh, you can side talk on it. It's something my 10-year-old brother wants to play Legos on. Ah, okay. Uh, see, that's bewildering for its own set of reasons, because when I wanted to play Legos as a kid, I did that with Legos. But oh God. My, my 10-year-old brother has beaten pretty much every Lego Star Wars, Lego Lord of the Rings, and just every Lego-adapted video game ever. But because that, that's because he's 10 years old. It's because he's a little kid. He has minimal homework, not really many chores, because, you know, he's 10 and tiny. So he has, <laughs> he has the time and capabilities, and I'm seriously impressed I've I've asked him, you know, hey, have you played as Aragon? Yeah, and I've unlocked everything. You know, I've he's replayed stuff three times. He's ten years old. He's replayed games that are. He, he has the patience to play ten year, not ten year, ten hour long games over and over again. And I stare at him like, "There's enjoy this. You will never have this again, <laughs> except maybe in like middle school." Maybe in college if you take an easy couple terms. Well, not even that. <laughs> or if you just neglect your classes. He'll be playing Halo. I just mean like a pure linear exploratory games, you know? Like, would yeah. You, like, could you imagine playing Spyro the Dragon now? No, but I remember loving that game when I was like about that age. Yeah. You know? Or even like um, Ratchet and Clank. Could you see yourself yeah. playing Ratchet and Clank now? No way. I, yeah, exactly. Like, I remember I played the first couple of Ratchet & Clanks. They were my brother's, actually. He's younger than me. And uh, I loved them back in, like, high school or whatever when I had a little spare time for that. But um, when the newer ones came out on PS3, I just didn't have time for any of them except for the self-contained two-hour um, standalone game, Quest for Booty. Right, right. Which was, like, all right, but not nearly as deep. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's funny. When I think about, like, self-contained... Uh, linear narrative games that I've replayed. Probably the oldest one that Spencer and I have both played through several times would be like Half-Life 2. Right. And just, you feel like you could invest in that and still feel rewarded. Yeah. And like, I don't know about Spencer, but I, I, I don't think anything since then has held my attention through multiple playthroughs. That's pretty true. 
I could do a whole monologue podcast, which I'm not going to do, about how confusing <laughs> the Lego series of games are to me, because Lego, the game, is Minecraft, and anything shy of that is just not what Lego is supposed oh, to be about. I'm, t- I'm tweeting that at you right now. I am putting this out to the world. Oh, right. <laughs> well, at any rate, uh, the youth with inexhaustible time to play games, honestly, as, as a... I wouldn't say big multiplayer gamer, but somebody who plays a lot of multiplayer games, that demographic is the bane of my existence. Really? Why is that? Yes. Uh, So I like to play shooters. I like to play competitive shooters. I would never claim to be terribly good at them. I'm, at best, a one-to-one kill-death ratio. That's fair. But shooters are like the, the bare minimum level where I can actually kind of keep up. Because I just keep moving those skills forward. Basically, the the only time I ever had to refresh them was after I played WoW for a while, and WoW just kills your FPS skills. Never do that if you're, you know, <laughs> it kills everything. It, it kills everything. It's See, true. It'll it'll kill a lot of things. See, now let me ask you this though: Could you play WoW now, where you are in your life? Oh boy, that that I'm going to get back to. <laughs> At any rate, for now, <laughs> you've tried. Let's get to that point hang on um (laughs) so for fps's again they are the ones where i can only kind of keep up and basically i I enjoy that by playing with friends playing at places like land parties and so forth and then playing solely for fun which really in my case means if i start to sink and my kill, kill death ratio gets really bad that's when i strap my vehicle with explosives and start trying to run people over you know i just stop caring uh, and that's how I cope. Mm-hmm. So trying to port that to any other game, and there are a few other styles of game I try to play multiplayer, is painful for me because of the people who have that level of time to invest. Uh, you know, Magic the Gathering, which isn't even oh, yeah. a computer game in the strictest sense. You know, I'll go in to play a draft or a constructed event or something, and there are just people there who... They've got a lot of resources invested in the cards. They've got a lot of time uh, to do a lot of reading and so forth. And they're still like 10 years younger than me. And it's just difficult. It's difficult to get used to because I still enjoy the game. Right. But I end up only playing with groups of people I already know because... Because they can keep pace with you and you with them. Yeah, basically... Basically, I want a group of people with the same handicap that I have, which is most of their time being taken up by other things. Or you you need a game that rewards life experience and not just dedication year over year, day over day to a specific set of skills in the genre. Almost like those old age-gating things they had for games like Leisure Suit Larry, where you had to answer a question about like 1970s trivia. Um, Except that would be the whole game. Except that won't work because of Wikipedia and the internet. Right, exactly. That's like, oh god, remember when Yakuza came out and people were freaking out because it's like, no one's going to get it because it's Japan. It's like, no, Google exists. Yeah, Google is the great, the greatest it's thing. It's a great equalizer. Yeah. I mean, it's also the scariest thing, but it's, it's it does equalize things. It's why I was able to build a couple of shitty websites in the last few weeks. Aww. Thanks, Google. <laughs> you were going to get back to WoW, though. That's true, but... I don't know that I have a whole lot to say about WoW other than that level of time investment is now impossible. And Blizzard has realized that, at least for people approximately our age who maybe started playing in late high school or college and then kept playing, 
because the new expansions do not take anywhere near the time investment that, for example, Vanilla or even Burning Crusade used to. Oh, yeah. So I feel like Blizzard is caught on to that, but I still... Oh, no, that's just a whole span of my life I just can't <laughs> go back to. You can never go back. Does that bother you, though, that there's supposedly less depth because they're trying to market to older people? That doesn't bother me at all. Okay. That's just kind of something that I use to understand the world and the fact that WoW applies to it doesn't really matter. Basically, understanding that corporations are devices built to press the make more money button over and over is how I can stand existing in uh, corporatist society. But as far as WoW goes, you know, the fact that they're streamlining it, that doesn't really bother me. What bothers me is that when I fire up vanilla, which I still do from time to time to go and, you know, run a dungeon or whatever with my friends, uh, because we all have the same brain illness. <laughs> and then, for example, like riding through Thunder Bluff, reflexively jumping off the bridges at a certain point because I'll otherwise get dismounted. The fact that that knowledge is built into my brain at this point, and I, I can't get that time back but there's also no reasonable way to invest that level of, of time again. It's just, I don't know, it's troubling. It's, the, it's like the jingles that our, our parents listen to on the TV that will never leave their head. It's, I have that level of knowledge, and I just have to come to terms with the fact that it is completely useless. And it's because I used to have this glut of time that I now no longer have. Right. No, someone just coming back to gaming, or I guess becoming truly invested, it's hard because it's like i i have to prioritize games that i think are significant sometimes over games that i might honestly be interested in my biggest conflict with that was uh alice madness returns which is a great looking game and i really like what i've played of it but i really want to play bioshock 2 because that's the last the only game in that series that i have yet to play and finish so it's like okay i have to choose between a game that i might really like but wasn't super controversial or meaningful, or I have to continue my education, kind yeah. of. You know, which is kind of a sick way to think of games, because they're all fun, but I want to learn about gaming, and I want to try very different things. Even that's the exclusion of things that I've never done before, that I would like to do, it is really similar to stuff I've already done. Yeah, I, I totally hear that. Like, that's the struggle I've had, honestly, ever since I helped start this site up, was like, I want to exercise those crit critical kind of analytical muscles with, with games and be involved with what I saw as like some sort of vaunted conversation around like, you know, this is a medium that's transforming and all this cool, awesome stuff is happening. And, you know, games today are totally different from how they were five years ago. And someone needs to write about them. And that's awesome. Uh, so then I, you know, the way I spend my free time becomes complicated because it's like, you know, do I play the game that sounds fun and kind of junk foody, or do I play the one that I feel like is, you know, going to win all the awards, or is the the indie darling that needs to be assessed and analyzed and proclaimed by yet another person that yes, this is the second coming of game design? It's it's a weird problem to be in, but I can at least tell you in your situation that Alice Madness Returns is pretty bad. Yes, it's better than the original, which was a straight PC port, and Alice has great hair. She does features. have great hair. That's, the platforming was painful. Uh, but. Well, yeah, the combat was a lot. Combat was a lot more cleaned up. 
less work on house. <laughs> but again, isn't all platforming painful? Or is that just the fact that the one platformer I had growing up was Arctic Adventure for the 8088? I just want a consistent hitbox and landing ran- landing range. That's all I fucking want. I don't know what an 8088 is. I don't either. Well, that's okay, though. <laughs> I grew up with Super Mario Brothers, which was, without a doubt, the defining game of like for all platformers to come so well that's because it was good yeah it was excellent (laughs) it also had more than three colors that's true i just remember trying the harry potter pc game and just was astounded at how poorly the jumping was sorry poorly executed the jumping was oh yeah it's weird i randomly played the playstation version of that and it was actually really great if only because they had like for some reason, it programmed that whenever you jumped on a uh, banister, that Harry would just grind down it like a skateboarder. <gasps> right, right. Which, I don't know why that happened, but it was kind of amazing. Yeah. I mean, it is canon. <laughs> I mean, it's totally canon. And I'm very serious about my Harry Potter canon. Well, see, like, you, so you played that randomly because it struck you, but... That was still... That had to be almost ten years ago now. Yeah, exactly. Like, could oh, you, would God. you ever imagine that now? Or are you, are you, sir, like me... Or you think about the time it would take you to invest in a certain game, and you have to carefully dissect it like you're ordering from a freaking wine menu. No, I'm the one who just opts for candy all the time. Like, (laughs) oh, this is a Game of the Year contender. I should play it. Hey, my friend just joined a Battlefield server. And then that happens. Or, Or, you know, hey, I should probably play this modern game that just came out. And then I launch the 10-year-old game that I've played thousands of hours of because I want to. So, See, yeah, no, I, I'm just, I'm a total junkie of howlongtobeat.com just because I, I freaking love that it exists, but it seriously helps me decide, okay, I need to play this in the series, but I also need to play this for game of the year. Which one can I build in time for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's such a great tool that you meant now that you mentioned it, I hadn't heard of this before, but, um, howlongtobeat.com. It's so good. It, it takes the average. It's a crowdsourcing gaming tool. I could I could actually link to it this week on the backlog. I will make sure to. It, it takes the average of full-on contributors. They identif- self-identify as average players, quick players. If you play the main story plus the extras, or if you're a total diehard completionist, it averages out the time that it takes you to play that game and just says this is on average how long it took people to completely beat this game based on if they play the main story main plus some extra content tor- total completionist i think it's an interesting challenge to face at this point because we have these tools we know how long games take down to the minute now practically especially when enough people have finished it so if you're a calendar junkie like i have been known to be from time <laughs> to time you could totally block out, like, I'm going to get through this game in this span of time. Right. Well, I totally tried it, too. Like, I did it with Bioshock, and I'm like, I got within half an hour, maybe 45 <laughs> minutes. Well, half an hour within Crazy. 45 minutes of the projected average time to complete. So, it's legit info. Yeah. I guess it's what's funny to me, though, is we've reached a point, at least I feel like we have, where the amount of games you can acquire for free, for a huge discount, etc., like we talked about recently... It's just so insane. And there's so many free-to-play games that are worth playing now, too, especially if you're interested in criticism or understanding that whole sector of the industry, that 
decision fatigue is a bigger problem for me now than ever. Like, I will spend an hour looking at all the games I have that I need to finish and be like, I should really play one of these, but I can't figure out which one's the right one to play, and then my free time is gone, and I just go back to playing Picross, because that's my illness. <laughs> well, we haven't even talked about cost. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like, by the time something is really reasonable, and you could justify buying it, it's past the release date. And there's an interesting irony that arises, because I, you know, for years after college, I made, like, not great money, like, at all. Like, pretty terrible. I could buy a game here and there. I mostly just operated off of sales. And then I, you know, spent a few years at a a good company where I was compensated, like, not horribly. And, but I had so little free time that even though I could afford to buy games at release date more often than not, I never got around to playing them. Like, I played fewer games than ever. So, and I knew people who have to this day, like, dozens of shrink-wrapped copies of games sitting on their shelf that they swear they're going to get to, but they work too much. Yeah, exactly. So. It's it's hard, especially when you're like us, and you want to play games for people to have, you know, a source of analysis, you know? People want us to review super current games, and we try. We, we want to have, you know, distribution copies and all that, but it's freaking hard sometimes like i really want to play the last of us because i'm in well i'm into somewhat linear games and combat games in general but i'm thinking i gotta unfortunately wait until it's lower priced than it is now yeah and the trouble with games like that is that they do take a while to drop like exactly anything that's kind of first or second party like that if it's successful which the last of us almost is guaranteed to win some game of the year awards from publications and I would not be surprised if it made it to our top 10 list this year, since I think it's unopposed right now. <laughs> but, yeah, I, it's, it's just weird. Like, I wish I could be more pragmatic about playing games, but time is so unpredictable, and the amount of enjoyment I'll get from them is so unpredictable as well. That, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it, that's, the, that's the most grown-up thing you can probably take away from this episode, is being a grown-up sometimes means you have to be overly practical about gaming to the point where you don't have any fun yeah it's like yeah it, it's terrible it's but that's that's what being adult is is like recognizing that the things you loved are sometimes going to be just a grind and sometimes things are just grindy mm-hmm. and see my being of an adult which you know some could call a crude pantomime even though i overuse that phrase uh but i take i kind of take the opposite approach a lot of the time which is you know, I could play this new game, and I know that it's well-reviewed, and yada, yada, yada. Or, several of my friends just asked me if I wanted to play TF2. So, I'm just going to do that, because I know I'm going to have fun. And it's a it's a sure investment uh, investment for me than uh, taking the wildcard option and playing against strangers or playing a, a new game. And, you know, granted, that type of closed-mindedness is how... You know, later I'll be railing against uh, human robot marriages, but <laughs> nevertheless, it all, it all it, started with Ellen Page's release coming out. Oh boy! Uh, <laughs> but at any rate, uh, basically, going for the sure thing is is just kind of something I do now because, again, I don't have unlimited time to invest, and if I have friends who want to play, I should probably spend that time with them. Yeah. Do you feel like the social aspect really influences what you play in that regard? A fair amount. Like, if I did not have friends that still played TF2, I probably wouldn't still play TF2. But, 
I still have friends that play, and we have a blast, so, yeah. So, I'm just curious, those friends who play TF2, would you generally classify them as about, as more, like, about your level of casualness, or are they more kind of hardcore gamers? Because I can't remember the last time I had an invite to a game. (laughs) (laughs) Not trying to be all emo, but... No, 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 no. The, The crew I regularly play with, and we tend to play MVM, I'd say they're even more casual than me, because I play at LAN parties, and they don't, but yeah. And that's partially just the fact that I play so many FPSs that I'm, I don't know, I'm I'm not trying to sound, like, full of myself or anything. No. I play more FPSs than most people I know, so I'm better at FPSs than most people I know. That's your genre of choice. Mm -hmm. No no shame in that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, suffice it to say, uh, no, I'm actually a bit better than them, but I don't know. I don't know that I'd bother with TF2 unless I knew people that were playing. Right. It's the same with Battlefield. Like, I've been soloing just to have things unlocked for when I actually play with people. I wonder how you got to rank 25. Yeah, uh, (laughs) it's actually 28 now, and that's mostly by slamming people, because come on and slam and welcome to the jam. (laughs) Oh god, you're just gonna be killing boars in the forest next time I encounter you. I appreciate the reference there, but no, <laughs> slam slam mines are my shit. Slam mines are the new C4. So. Oh, all right, all right. You can put them on a wall, and then nobody sees them, <laughs> and then tank blows up. It's very exciting for me. God, I'm having flashbacks to Fallout New Vegas. Oh, God. I just remember pickpocketing and putting mines in people's pockets. <laughs> you evil bitch. <laughs> it was so good, though. You, oh my God, I hated those mines. Hated him. God. That's a that's a high level pickpocket. It's like wallet out, live grenade in. There now we now we have the podcast title. It's kind of like actually a metaphor for how I think about the money I spend on games. Oh my god, really? Okay, okay. I was joking. Make that logic work. Let's hear it. Well, you take out your wallet, you put a hand grenade in, all your money goes away, and you're too damaged to play the game. And you don't know if the grenade's gonna explode in fire or in pixie dust. I don't know, it sounds a little bit more like free-to-play games. It's usually or pre-orders. <laughs> but then the question becomes, do you buy the grenade at all? It, it's, it's just funny, though, because I think what we're all kind of getting at is that the biggest commodity, once you reach a certain point and grow up and become a real, like, grown-ass adult, as they say, the biggest commodity you have to deal with is time, not money. Like, even if, you know, you, have, you can't buy all the games you want... You're still, you have a routine, you have responsibilities. You don't have entire days to squander on games. Oh, gosh, yeah. So, any thoughts on, do we see anything changing in the industry as the average age of a gamer gets older to try to bring those older experiences we enjoyed or kind of grew up on to a more digestible format? Or does that kind of usually peter out? Like, I know that, you know, look at a game like Diablo, which has been streamlined considerably from two to three over like the 15 years of development and it got a lot of criticism from fans because it was easier it was faster it had less of an end game but for me that was more fun i think it's an excellent game yeah but i was also able to finish it (sighs) you're like the only two people i know who think that at this point it's really fun well there's also more in different difficulty settings too so Mm -hmm. if you want to replay it on a higher difficulty or if you want to do with a friend there's you can go and play diablo for as long as you want but in a different way than before. 
once I finished Diablo 3 once, I felt no compulsion to play it again, but that is just me, and also that is not what this podcast is about. <laughs> Until uh, now. Diablo 3 woes. We gotta hash this out. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> to address Nick's question, I don't know. The grand experiences of my youth, which were things like Baldur's Gate and Alpha Centauri and other things that take a long time. I mean, I suppose that the 4X experience has been streamlined a lot in Civ Five, and that did make it a lot easier to spend time on, even though it still ended up being hundreds of hours. And then big, epic RPGs like that. I don't know that there's a place for that anymore. Really? Pokemon is the deepest RPG I've played recently, and it's Pokemon. Pokemon is not a deep RPG, unless you're one of those crazy people breeding for stats, uh, of which I know one, but he's, you know, a father who spends most of his time at home with a baby, so he is kind of going crazy anyway. Aww. And Pokemon really is press A to win. Yeah. Not, not, not hating on parents, especially game and parents, because how the hell do you do that? Yeah, they're fighting the good fight. Yeah, seriously. I, I love gaming parents. I wish I could only play FPSs against them, but then it's not <laughs> like I'd be challenged. So that's that's just mean. They're sleep-deprived, me. man. You don't know how good they are. Yeah, that's true. Give them some caffeine and make the child sleep through the night. You you're, you have no idea what you're up against. Whiskey in their cup, whiskey on their child's gums, and then you go. Mm-hmm. Please don't be a parent <laughs> right now. <laughs> Hey, that's a thing. That is that is a thing that other people, not me, other say, podcasts, so. <laughs> other podcasts, lads. No, no, I mean, I mean, other humans. God damn it! Not, not not until we resolve this whiskey issue. Oh God! It's not an issue yet. Not until I walk into a room and there's a banner. So. And we have our fourth <laughs> other podcast topic of the night. Anyway, whiskey love Spencer. Uh-huh. <sighs> says basically. The Hashtag whiskey. Uh. My my point here is basically that I don't think there is going back. Maybe once we retire, some enterprising person will capitalize on the fact that people want to play those experiences again, and I don't know, we'll have made the fifth enhanced edition of them, and then we can finally go back and re-experience them with as much time to invest as we can uh, have. But I don't know. I think I think it just becomes more and more... Sophie's choice. We just have to make the selection we think is correct and otherwise just continue about our lives. That's a really grim comparison to Sophie's choice. I That was a weak comparison to Sophie, Sophie's choice is what it was. I had a different word in mind and then forgot it. That's okay. I don't mean to criticize. I just wanted to add that since I entered you know, the real adult professional world years ago, um, I noticed very clearly that there were two kinds of games I really consistently enjoyed. And they were the two to six hour self-contained Xbox Live Arcade style or Steam Indie games that have a unique mechanic, an interesting presentation, and a conclusion. Uh, Or they were completely open-ended like Minecraft and I could invest as little or as much time as I wanted and feel rewarded. So uh, I think it's, it's pretty easy actually for me to spot the games that I will enjoy my time with. The problem is that the games I'm used to enjoying and have my whole life are not adapting with me. Mm, that's insightful. I mean, that seriously, not sarcastically, that's really fucking, yeah. <laughs> Good, I wasn't sure. Yeah, I don't know. You're talking to someone who played, who finished Fallout New Vegas by playing it an hour and a half at a time 
over the course of weeks. It's hard to say because most of the games I love are, as you said, Nick, really open-ended. I remember finishing Pokemon Crystal in, I think, two weeks because I could carry a Game Boy Color around in my backpack and then later my purse, you know? The portability of it all. And I think part of the popularity of the 3DS is due to the fact that it is so portable, you know? Japan trains, but plus you can suspend it at any time, which is exactly. kind of magical. Exactly, and it wants you to take it out because it gives you play coins and street passes and all these things. Exactly, but it's it's designed for both kids and people who maybe aren't casuals but are less time flexible. So mm-hmm. to me, the future is either something like that, which if I could flip out a tiny handheld console out of a handbag and invest in some futuristic Fallout series while on a train home. That'd be wonderful. Otherwise, I I recently had the religious experience of playing Journey for the first time, and that's a very intricate game that's also very short. So I'm, I'm willing to have faith in short games that they won't be vapid and incomplete and unsatisfying. And you know, I have faith that that could actually happen, where we have more manageable time games that are still wonderful and beautiful and meaningful. To jump back to just before the point where you referenced, I think, last year's Game of the Year for our site, you heard it here first, Britt McGuinness is the market for the NVIDIA Shield. Now we all know (laughs) who that is aimed at. Hey, if it fits in a purse, I'm willing to look at it. I think the problem becomes that you'd probably need a, a VPN set up to your house to use it for fallout but i'm really not sure tunneled through an android phone and at that point it just becomes the territory of yep neckbeards oh i was gonna say Aww. me but then you invoked neckbeards and i don't even have hair on my neck i can't grow it there i can't either it's talking about me <laughs> selfish dick <laughs> uh, he said tunnel through an android phone and i was like that's that's my jam <laughs> i wasn't targeting you i just uh-huh it just no, you know. no one is. That's why consoles fail. <laughs> Nobody's targeting us, and for <laughs> once, it feels bad. Uh, yeah, we just got out of the eighteen to twenty-four uh, male bracket, Nick and I, and it's weird that they're not advertising at us anymore. Well, they kind of are. Usually, it's okay, but well, you guys are male, so you fit most of their demographic. Most of, but I mean, once again, eighteen to twenty-four. I yeah. was. Mm-hmm far more easily amused when I was that age. And that's saying huh. something, because I'm a very easily amused person. No one believes that I have money. Hardly anybody. Or that I will only use the Xbox One for watching TV. So, it, unless... I'm waiting for one company to show an ad where someone pulls a, con- a console or a mini playing device out of their purse and just starts playing on the train. Because that's how people... That's how dudes in Japan play games, and that's how people in America can play games. Yeah, I mean, the closest comparison I can think of is the old Nintendo DS commercials from the Touch Generation series. But they were all playing, like, Brain Age and, like, (laughs) boring stuff. Well, stuff that is designed with older people in mind, not just stuff designed for gamers in mind. Right, but it's it's funny to me that, you're right, like, there really hasn't been any marketing money put behind the notion that conventional games, like popular games, aren't just popular among 18 to 24-year-old men. I've seen some games this generation that I literally thought, and call me blasphemous, but I thought, you know, if they can make a version of that for iPad, 
you'd have so many people playing that. Oh, yeah. You know, it sounds weird saying that because I'm usually just like, oh, iPad games. But if you can make a portable version of a regular game, you'd have so many more people trying it. I mean, I don't know numbers, but I'm sh- I know The Walking Dead's been a huge success on iPad. Yeah. It seems perfectly suited for it. We can all agree The Walking Dead is objectively a very loved and very likable game. Yeah. So you heard us, you hear it, heard it here first, just convert the existing stuff, make it easier and we will be there when we have time. Exactly. We will make time. That's the thing. Like it says, <laughs> well, it's, it's very lean in to say, but if you want to do something, you will make time to do it. Even if it's an hour and a half a day. Well, now that you've mentioned my former COO, um, I think it's time to end <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> hey, hey, big, I respect. I need to read that book. It's a lot of good ideas. Not not at all pod video game related. A lot of, <laughs> lot of very cool ideas and very counterintuitive ideas that you think about later. It's like, oh, yeah, that is everything. Oh, wow. Hmm. But you were saying, sir. I was just going to say... One of these days, I will sit down and play The Walking Dead, but until that time, I'll spend entire weekends playing things like Freelancer, mm-hmm. which came out literally a decade ago. It's like Han Solo Light. <laughs> it's like Escape Velocity 3D. Mm-hmm. All right. That makes it sound better. That's because Escape Velocity is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if we're going to leave you to go do that this weekend, which I understand is actually your plan. That is, in fact, my plan. <laughs> I think it may be best to end this podcast. Sounds good. Have happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yep. yep. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Thanks, everyone. Peace. The Silicon Sasquatch Podcast is a production of SiliconSasquatch.com. Our panelists for this episode were Spencer Tordoff, Nick Cummings, and Britt McGinnis. The remainder of our editorial staff is Aaron Thayer, Tyler Martin, and Doug Bonham. And this episode was produced by Spencer Tordoff. If you'd like to hear or read more of our work, please check it out at siliconsasquatch.com. <laughs>